Hey, thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We get to listen to real people's stories of insight, grit, endurance, and maybe a little bit of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. If you've always wondered how to manifest anything for yourself, get excited because my guest today is Michelle J. Lamont. She's a TEDx speaker, a manifestation and mindset coach, has had coast-to-coast TV appearances, including interviews with Oprah and Kim Kardashian. Her podcast is called Manifesting Miracles, and it's now in Apple's top 20 of the self-help genre with a quarter of a million downloads. I will throw a little listener disclaimer in. This episode does mention some adult topics. So if you've got kids in the room, it might be um, better to listen to it later. But her story, Michelle's story is really amazing and transformative. And I know you'll get so much out of this 45 minutes. Michelle J. Lamont. Uh, Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I uh, when we first connected, I thought this story is going to be so cool. Um, (laughs) So you are a manifestation expert and a spiritual coach. And I'm always interested in people's stories and how they got to the point of where they are now. And so I'm wondering if you could share that with us, your story. Absolutely. Um, Again, thank you for having me on. And I'm so excited to meet your audience and um, let them know a little bit about me. Um, like, she, like you said, my name is Michelle Juanita Lamont. I'm a first generation American on my mother's side, um, Colombian and from Buga, Colombia. Um, my brothers were born in Colombia, but I was the first American here. And, um, when my mother came to this country, uh, she learned English on Sesame street and, um, was a, ended up getting her degree and, and opening several businesses, marrying my father, and at the age of 10 and a half, my mother died of undifferentiated lymphomic cancer. And um, about 30, 45 days after my mother died, we started school. My dad called me down to the front office, really didn't say much to me, took me out of seventh grade, drove me three hours away. And I grew up, I became a ward of the state of Texas and grew up in an orphanage. And he kept my brothers and gave me away. Um, where this is not a place that any child should go or be at. Um, I can just say that. And, um, there was a lot of mental, physical, sexual, emotional abuse at the orphanage. And, um, unfortunately I was not able to leave until I was in college or when I was in high school. And um, I went to college. I got uh, scholarships to college, did pretty well in high school um, because I just wanted to put all of my energy and effort into what I believed was being so successful that my father couldn't ignore me or throw me away again, Um, which then led me to marry my second abuser, uh, my husband, and um, I met him when I was still a teenager and we were married for a long time. And although I started my first business with 
$250 and a car that went in first, third and reverse. Um, by year three, that business was about $37,000 in debt. And by year five, I was doing over a million dollars a year in sales. Um, I then went on to open, close and sell that business. Um, when the retail malls, I opened mall location stores when uh, Al Gore invented the internet. Um, <laughs> I was uh, then I had to close the mall stores because the mall business was just declining rapidly. So I sold it to uh, another company who literally put on the legal documents, you are not allowed to open a competing business within a hundred miles of us in any state, city, or place because they were so threatened by what I was doing to their business, um, which I thought was pretty hilarious. And then um, I opened my second business and that was a media agency, uh, Lamont PR. And um, within 45 days, I was working for and hired by Bravo to work on reality shows. And my very first client was Dancing with the Stars, Dallas Cowboys. So I became an overnight um, instant success. Um, instead of five years it took to be profitable, I was profitable within 37 days doing over $100,000 in the first quarter and um, pushing myself and pushing myself. But I was in this abusive marriage and in this abusive relationship. Um, so I started drinking. Um, I had a total of five pregnancies, uh, a C-section scar, no baby, and um, miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And um, finally, um, in 2015, I had had enough. So I was completely depressed, um, completely um, at the end of the road for me and decided I was going to divorce my abuser and commit suicide. So I went down the process of, and I'm very meticulous in everything that I do. So I wanted to make sure that I did everything exactly perfect. I filed for divorce on the same day that we got married. And then I was legally divorced by April 1st, 2016. And I attempted to unalive myself on April 23rd of 2016. And that is episode two of my podcast. It's a long story, so I'm not going to get into it. Um, but during that time and throughout my life, all of these really um, incredible and unbelievable things had happened to me, despite all of these really, from the outside looking in, horrific things that were happening to a child and a woman and a girl that nobody was care cared about or wanted or had any desires to help or know of. Um, and in that process, I, I remembered my mom when I was a child, she also always used to tell me, you know, she would say like, when you're going to go to sleep, I want you to open your other eye and I want you to imagine a genie over your head and you're going to rub the genie's eye and tell him what you wanted. And I would do this consistently when I was wanting to start my business, when I wanted to meet Cindy Crawford, when I wanted to meet Kim Kardashian. And then eventually, um, after my suicide attempt, I went back to school 
because education was something that I, I was actually laying in bed and I was supposed to be on a press junket for a new TV show with one of the networks. Um, but I knew I was committing suicide and I had hired my pet sitter and I'll let that be episode two. But after I recovered and I was home, I was all day long trying to figure out how to kill myself because I'd survived. And I was, I really had not failed at much in my life. And the fact that I had failed at the thing that I wanted most was driving me nuts. So I'm laying in bed and I'm literally like Elvis cocoon, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, air conditioning at 60 degrees day in and day out. And my pet sitter, uh, obviously known what happened. She's part of that story. Well, I, she had been paid for 90 days because a lot of times when I went on press junkets um, or to go do PR events, I might be on the road for a while. Um, so in my mind, it would take about 90 days for the insurance companies to you know, send everybody the money and whatever. And I wrote all my nieces letters, you know, this isn't about you. Aunt Michelle's just tired. She just can't live in this world anymore. It was just too much for me. Um, and, um, you know, in retrospect, I think that's the one thing I regret the most because they're my little angels and I love them so much. Um, but I really thought it would take that long for the insurance company. So she was still paid and I just let her come and walk the dogs and, she was really commenting on how dirty my house was because I'm a little bit of a neat freak. And she was like, you know, everything's so dirty. You know, I know what happened, happened and all that kind of stuff. But Michelle, you got to take a shower. You got to get out of bed. And I went into the shower just like half heartedly took the shower got into bed all wet and rolled the blankets up really tight. And I looked up at the ceiling and I really didn't believe in God or creator energy or anything of that nature. Um, the dark energy had really just taken over my life. And I, um, I remember looking up at the ceiling and saying, Hey, if you're real, if you actually are a thing and you're going to keep me here, you better make that choice fast because I think I'm going to go to the pawn shop and get a gun. I really don't want to be here. I really am mad that I didn't succeed and I really want to die. And the TV literally like an hour later just comes on and the remote was in front of the TV and I'm looking around. I'm like, what did I hit? Why is the TV on? Well, my nieces at that time, I really didn't know what YouTube was. I wasn't somebody who really being a publicist for networks and TVs and all that kind of stuff. You just don't have time to have like holidays or I didn't know any of these shows Grey's Anatomy, all, you know, all this kind of stuff just never was part of my, I was working until midnight. I was waking up at 4am, you know, and, um, my nieces were watching YouTube always at my house. And so YouTube came on and I'm like, where's this remote? And then I see it right in front of the TV and I'm like, what is this? And this man comes on the TV screen and he was wearing this little like beret kind of hat and white sweater and white pants and and he just kind of turns to the tv and he says when you change the way that you look at things the things that you look at change and in that moment i felt like i was having an out-of-body experience 
I don't know how else to describe it. And so I ended up watching him for about 12 hours straight. Watch the next one, watch the next one, got up and got the remote, was sitting up and had the blanket around me, ordering really bad food, you know, food I would not normally eat um, and just engulfed in it until I looked him up on the internet and his name was Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I had never heard of this person, um, really wasn't a big fan of men, um, really didn't think that the person who would be healing me would be a man or a white man for sure. And um, I end up literally in my pajamas driving the half price books the next day. And the, when I walked inside the store, I looked so disheveled that the guy said, no homeless no homeless allowed. And I'm like, sir, I just pulled up in a freaking BMW. Like I'm not homeless, you know? And I said, no, I'm not homeless. And he goes, well, what do you want? I'm like, I just try to find a book by this man, Dr. Wayne Dyer. And he opens it up and he goes, well, he has 44 books. I said, great. I'll take them all. And he's like, let's see what we have. And they had a whole little section next to him and Deepak Chopra and the others. And they had 21 books. And I'm a pretty fast reader. So I bought the books and one by one, I just start reading them and reading them and reading them nonstop and I'm highlighting it. And then I just decided like whatever it took, whatever amount of money it was going to take, I was going to have a one-on-one session with this man. There was something about his energy. I didn't even know what spirituality was. I'd never even understood the concept of it. Um, It had never been, you know, to me, People like me now, um, in, in the way I would have looked at it, would have been like the tin hat people, um, the conspiracy people, that kind of thing. Um, and they were all right. We were all wrong. <laughs> and, um, and so I found out that he had died um, uh, a year, almost to the day that I tried to unalive myself and um, in Maui. And in his beloved condo and, and with his beloved plants around him and all this other stuff I would later learn. Um, but he also had an alcoholic father. He also was abandoned by his mother. He also grew up in an orphanage. And I thought, wow, this is really amazing. So I did what I always do. I said, how do I figure this out? How do I fix this? And so I applied to go back to an 18-month program in school to get my mindfulness cognitive therapy degree. And in that program, I found out that they did a that you for is an $18,000 class course. So in the program, I found out that they can brain map you and and look inside of your brain. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And for like $2,000 more, I'm like, yeah, just put it on the bill. (laughs) I'll pay it another, I'll pay it off later. And let's just add it to the Amex. We'll figure it out later. Um, And what happened was during the class, it was like the third month in, they said, okay, um, everybody in the class were therapists, psychotherapists, psychologists. I was the only person who was not a doctor. Um, But I wrote a dissertation and got in just the same. And, and, And so there you go. And in the third month of the program, while they were scanning my brain, um, one of the professors who was remote from Los Angeles, UC Berkeley, 
said, all right, who is Michelle J. Lamont? And I was like, that's me. He's like, we've set up a TV and a video in another room to discuss your scan. Now, here I am, the only Latina, the only non-doctor. And now you're going to put me in another room so all the white people can judge me? Oh, no. No, no, absolutely not. I was like, hell no. I said, I'm fine here. He was like, well, we really think this is delicate. and We'd like to talk to you about it. I said, look, if I'm dying, that's not bad news for me. Um, if I have a brain tumor, this is not bad news for me. You just need to tell me. And so it was like, um, okay, well, um, you have an unusually large amygdala. And I was like, okay. And we hadn't got into the study of the amygdala yet. And that was next month. That was month four. And I said, so what does that mean? Because well, we are because of the size of it and um, and the way that it looks, we believe that you might be somebody who would commit suicide. And he was like, "Have you ever had suicidal thoughts?" I said, "Yeah, two and a half months ago, I tried to commit suicide." And everybody in the class was like, <gasps> And at that moment, I realized I was right going to school because. Instead of like just thinking I was broken and that there was something really like really wrong with me, um, I could then fix the computer. And so I started learning mindfulness. I had such anger issues. I was on Adderall. I was on Xanax. I was on Ambien, um, which were two of the drugs prescribed to me by my therapist that I used to try to kill myself. Um, and once they taught you meditation in month six, one of the things they said is if you go into therapy or you go to try to be, you know, get licensed, don't teach them meditation for six months. And I was like, raising my hand, why is that? Well, once somebody learns how to meditate, their life gets really fixed and they don't need therapy anymore. Wow. <laughs> and so as a, and what I am is a mindfulness, uh, I'm sorry, a manifestation and life coach and a spiritual life coach. And so when I started creating my programs of success for people, I would never allow anybody to go longer than six months because I know that your brain, the frontal cortex gets addicted to the therapy sessions as, as it would be. And even if you teach them how to meditate in day one, if you stay any longer, they're going to think that the reason that they feel so good or the reason that they're happy is because they're seeing you over and over again, instead of actually healing themselves and being okay with that. So after that happened, um, my life kind of just went in a whole different direction. I was still a TV media publicist, uh, went back to work doing that and really just decided that I wanted to really understand manifestation and all the things that Dr. Wayne Dyer was talking about. So I would just start doing some of these practices and then learning about the brain and doing a practice and being in school and doing a practice and being in school. And then I was taking, you know, classes on angels and classes on Wicca and classes on candle and quantum physics and how do you use quantum physics and how do you use energy? And then I was able to manipulate energy by being able to take uh, incense smoke and make it move to the right, move to the left on command, stop start, stop, and made videos on it and started getting all this attention. It's like, how are you doing this? I'm like, well, it's just your mind. You have to understand how to control your mind. And then you can control the quantum field. 
and the quantum field, you know, in science, science is big and quantum is small. And so really more so you're manifesting in the quantum than in anything else. And so as I started to kind of manipulate this energy and understand it a little bit better, um, I got into numerology and to studying all the different religions. Um, I'm a curious seeker, always have been my whole life. And I think that's what I was here to become and do. And so after I really got it down, I, I was hosting classes and doing seminars on manifesting and work, and I'm still doing publicity. So I decided that I would create a, uh, a list. And if these things happened on my list, I would leave television forever. And number three was meet, interview Oprah. Number four was get a TED Talk. Um, I got both of those in seven days. And um, there are no coincidences. Time is an illusion. You are creating everything in your reality. And I decided that I was going to be a professional speaker. Um, I told myself how much I wanted to get paid. I told myself that I was just going to be successful in this field from now on. And I would just apply all the different practices and techniques. And so then I said, you know, I don't really want to work anymore. Um, but I would really like about $11,000 a month because I'm bougie as fuck. Okay. And I have a mortgage and a car and all this other kind of stuff. So I did some energy work for about 25 days consistently. And um, a friend of mine said, Hey, we have a, a hole in our Sunday ABC show. Um, aren't you teaching an angel class? And I was like, yeah. She's like, why don't you come on ABC and talk about your angel class on Sunday? And as I did, I said, sure, great. I'll go on. And I went on to the morning show and I talked about, you know, how do you introduce yourself to your angel, et cetera, et cetera. And how do they work? How many do you have? There was someone watching who owned a tech company who needed a publicist slash spiritual advisor and went to my $17 a person enrollment <laughs> angel class and um, came down and said, I my son was killed or died four years ago um, by a drunk driver. And last night I had a dream of him to watch the morning show today. And you were on there talking about angels. So I'd like to hire you for my company. And I was like, well, I'm really not doing publicity anymore. Um, you know, I don't mind, uh, well, what, what do you have in mind? But I really, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be pounding the phones and trying to book you interviews. Like that's just not going to be something I can do. But if you really want me as a spiritual advisor and a coach, I'm more than happy to do that. And she was like, well, I'm, I'm going to pay you $6,000 a month. And I said, oh, okay. Well, what does that require? And she was like two hours a week of your time. I, I just want to have you in my life. I've never met anybody like you. I've never known anybody like you. And and if that's enough for two, you know, six hours a month, then I want to pay you as much as possible to have you working for my company. And I said, okay, that sounds like a great deal. Kind She's of a like, no-brainer. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, where do I sign? So, where do I sign? And um, so, so I just needed to do corporate press releases for her, um, you know, just like one a quarter and I started that. So two days later, somebody that I hadn't worked with or spoken to in about, I want to say six years, called me up and says, hey, Michelle, 
Um, our company got bought out by this other company and they put me as a marketing director and we need these very structured stock press releases done. And then we need like a fluff piece press release done. Would you be interested in this? And I was like, Oh, thanks so much, but I'm not doing PR anymore. And, and I'm really looking, you know, for an opportunity to book speaking gigs and that kind of thing. And I was like, but out of curiosity, what's the budget? And he said, well, if it's not you, it's nobody because nobody is like you. Um, but I have approved $5,000 a month and I can give you a one-year contract. And so literally in less than 30 days, I went from scrapping together things to making the 11,000 that I wanted to. Um, and then really was able to really reinvest in myself and, um, then I manifested a one-on-one with Oprah and a TED talk. And at the, at the Oprah event, I, um, which is an episode, it's a two-part episode. It's a long story, but it's a remarkable and unbelievable story. Uh, to my, to date, I still can't believe it happened. Um, and the way that it happened, I, at the end of the event, I remember getting into my car and looking at my Instagram and it said, you know, Bravo Network, Style Network, and all the networks that I worked for. And I deleted everything and it just said Manifestation Coach. Wow. And from that moment on, that's who I was. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's such an amazing story. And thank you so much for expanding on that. Uh, you answered so many of my questions that I had. <laughs> so now I have to dig deep, but that's sure. okay. <laughs> that's I mean, what you're talented at. Oh, man. What a story of resilience resilience and that that's the thing like uh, and using your own perfection that you originally thought was kind of an obstacle using that in a new way uh i mean just your story of um like seeing that guy on youtube i got chills and i have to admit like i have um read some of uh wayne dyer's uh things but now i'm i'm really motivated to go check out some more about his stuff and maybe look into some of his books if anyone's interested uh wow that's a really great uh source uh yeah for, i would start with manifestation erroneous, yeah erroneous zones would be awesome or oh, pulling yeah. your own strings would be great of his um he has 41 books uh but three of them or four of them are children's books oh. that he wrote with his daughters um, Sage and Serena when they were young, but the other ones are really good. Some of them might be like eh, a little, maybe a little bit too misogynistic on some levels, you know, for me mm. now as a more in, in this day and age, yeah. I don't think he, could, he would have worded the same way that he now. And I don't take away from anything of that. I love him. And he's, he's, a, he's been my spiritual coach my whole life, you know, probably with me since I was born. Wow. That's, it's probably a little bit timeless, even though he, was older and he there was sort mm -hmm. of that patriarchy stuff going yeah. on but I, I mean there are so many authors like that i think you have to read through some of that and get the message and just absolutely kind of take the other stuff with a grain of salt like that those were the times yeah. and think, those are the times things are changing and i love that you uh are speaking to the goddess within i love that and that's <laughs> another podcast and we can we could go down a spiritual rabbit hole, but <laughs> I think we might run out of time, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I love this. Um, so 
I mean, you really touched on your entrepreneur story, entrepreneurial story and how you got there. Um, and I find that um, just so inspiring. Um, and I have a question. When you say that you're a happiness expert, how does that term tie into uh, spiritual coaching and manifestation? The, this concept of being an expert in happiness. Where do you find well, some? Yeah, so I got certified by Yale um, as a happiness expert. They offer it as a accreditation. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, it was during COVID when everybody was like, take learning how to cook. I was learning how to be happier. And everyone um, was not happy. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was not happy. Um, and, um, I actually had a speaking tour booked and sponsored and, um, because the universe is so intentional and there are no coincidences, it's a mathematical impossibility. Um, so anybody who's listening, thinking like, oh, that was just a coincidence or, somebody got lucky. I want you to understand one mathematical thought. There are a hundred. I want to ask you a question before I even say that statement. How many universes do you believe there are? How many solar systems do you think there are? For me, I believe Mm -hmm. they're infinite. But do you think that they've calculated a number? Because they have. But if you had to guess, what would you guess that number is? Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I was just listening to another podcast and someone said something like 11 or I, I don't know what that podcast was. I can't remember what. what so what's the magic number? 11 I know what? You're, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just oh, okay. <laughs> 11 universes. I think that was like, no, some, I, I don't believe that, but I've just heard there, that somewhere. Yeah. No, we have, we have nine planets just in ours. There are 156 billion with a B solar systems and takes, I don't know where the 11 came from. I, yeah. I, I, when I heard that I, and I can't even remember what it was where, where I heard it. When I heard that I went 11, no, what, what, who, who came up with that number? When I was thinking about it, I think of it as an infinite amount mm-hmm. because it, we're talking about the quantum aspect of it, but we're talking about the science aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. 156 billion. That is yeah, so, crazy. Okay. So if you think if you think about that number, you have to think that it takes 100 million to make 1 billion. Mm-hmm. 100 million to make 1 billion and there's 156 billion. So the mathematical properties that would have to align for you to meet that person at that time and space, for you to be in that car accident, for you to be abandoned and orphaned, for you to uh, be downtrodden, for you to be racially profiled, for you to meet the person who doesn't like the way you love people, that doesn't want you to be the fullest version of yourself, they want you to fit into a box. All of those challenges that you've received in this experiment, in this body called you, and this planet, the teaching planet called Earth, are all part of a much bigger and profound realization of what reality really is and how you need to play that part to accept the different outcomes in your own reality to manifest things in the what we call the quantum field, which is your immediate understanding, like this is glass and I got it at Ikea and it's a water and I 
speak into it because I know that by Dr. Emoto's work that you can change the molecular structure of water with your thoughts and intentions, right? So as we start to understand all of these different principles and properties, anybody who's listening right now who isn't feeling the best version of themselves or isn't necessarily having, you know, their Oprah moment that they want or whatever it is that they think they want, it's because you haven't really cleared out enough things in your particle beings to become waves. And in the quantum field, you're either particle or waves. And when you're particle, you're really tied down to these limiting beliefs and these ideologies, these um, depression or um, anxiety or um, uh, lower vibration. Like, you know, why did they hit me? Why did they abuse me? Why was I raped? Why was I beaten? Why was I given away? Um, why does nobody care about me? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so in those different dimensions, you're really lowering your ability to create things in this now reality and the quantum that you can now, like I live on a house on the water, right? And, and, and in my very first podcast that I started in October 25th, my birthday, 2020, um, I, which is the same day I got married and the same day I divorced, just FYI, this birthday thing. I'm a life path, yes, and I'm a life path <laughs> nine. Um, so this is my last time to earth thankfully. Um, and um, so in that quantum field, we can only perceive things in our reality based on our ability to be more wave than particle. And for us to release things and and really be free. And I, I want to share, if I can, really quick, um, the parable that changed my life from Dr. Wayne Dyer. So Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about in one of his books, how he had this extreme animosity for being beaten by his father, his alcoholic father, and how his mother, he watched his mother being beaten, and then he left them, you know, penniless and and went on the road. And so when he became a little bit more of something and he started selling his books, he decided to rent a car and to go somewhere and to speak. And he was at a speaking engagement, gets a rental car, in the rental car, there's a matchbook on the side and the, it was a brand new car, like two miles on it. And when Dr. Wayne Dyer went to the front desk, he's like, Hey, these matches were in my car. What are these? And he goes, Oh, that's the, um, that's the old something, something cemetery um, nearby. And so in his mind, he starts meditating and he hears that's where your father is. And he looks it up finds out through three different people because they didn't have a record because it was like pauper's graves. Um, he found out that his father was buried there and died there. And he got this matchbook and he was sent to a speech within a mile of the cemetery. And he gets out of the car and he finds the speech and he decides he's going to urinate on the, on this, on the, on the, on the grave. And in that moment, he had this epiphany that if he kept all the anger and all the vitriol and all of the pain that this man had caused him, he was probably going to end up like him. And so then he says, the parable of the snake came into his mind. Now, the parable of the snake is this. Everybody knows that a poisonous or venomous snake, if it bites you, the venom will get into your bloodstream, into your capillaries, and eventually 
into your arteries and into your heart and give you a heart attack. But at any point in time, you can reach down and suck the venom out of your body and get it removed and the venom is gone. And the snake, the snake never thinks I've done something ill or bad because the snake was here to be a slithering snake, to go and bite things and do its snaky things. And it's actually proud of itself because it's then got another person to bite and it's had its venom in its way. And you're just an afterthought. You're just one of the people that it, that it struck on its little path. And if you're the victim of the venom, it's your whole life. And so you don't want to forgive the snake, but the snake doesn't care whether you forgive him or not. So if you'd like to die with the venom of the snake, you can be that person or you can take the poison out and have your own new journey and your own new life. And it was at that point when I heard that story that I thought, oh my God, I have to forgive my father. I have to forgive John for putting me in that situation, helpless, alone in the world, um, keeping my brothers and not me, making me feel like I had to work extra hard as a female um, to be seen and to be respected. And I know that in a man's world, the only thing that people respect is money. So I was going to be the most successful that I could, but it led me to a path of, um, you know, on August 23rd or August 16th, 2015, 2016, to try to unalive myself. And in that moment, um, he had his awakening and I want to invite everybody who's listening right now to realize that in the 156 billion solar systems that there are, there is a reason that your angels and your guides have aligned you to listen to this podcast today and is inviting you to be the forgiver of the venom and to release this poison toxic reality that you're living in so then you can now create and cultivate a life that is worthy of your joy, of your happiness, and freeing you from the limiting shackles and bonds. And the thing is, is that we are so free and we have all and on this planet, we have all choice that we choose incarceration. And by choosing this incarceration, we incarcerate our energy, our abilities, our power, our love, and our light. And it is a planet that is based on you getting down and being depressed and doing things that would create more negativity in the world because there are dark forces at play that want you to stay small and stay broken and stay angry. And so this snake does not care how you feel and they never will. And in their minds, you were just somebody who annoyed them. You were somebody who they got to bite, put their venom in. But now you have heard the parable of the snake. And now from this point forward, the universe is asking you, what's next? What an amazing message. Where uh, the parable of the snake is that, do you remember which book that was from? I do not. Okay. It's in one of, I'm sure you could Google it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything's out there, right? Um, yes. Or check out more of his. And if you want to learn more about all of the work that you're doing, I feel like we just tipped. Uh, this is the tip of the iceberg <laughs> of, of your 
um, wisdom and your message. And so where can people find more about what you do and get some of that information from you? Well, I keep it pretty easy. It's Michelle J. Lamont on everything on TikTok, on Instagram. My website is michellejlamont.com. If you want to find my podcast, there's over 223 episodes absolutely free that you can listen to starting right now. Um, Michelle J. Lamont, but the podcast is called Manifesting Miracles with Michelle J. Lamont. But if you put my name in there, Michelle J. Lamont, I'm the only one that comes up. Um, Being in PR for so long, I learned keep it simple, stupid. And (laughs) everything is just Michelle J. Lamont on everything. Just If you Google me, you will find all of those things there for you to absorb and appreciate and use right now. Um, my website has lots of blogs on it. You can get a free ebook. You can sign up for my newsletter, um, be a part of the miracle community and um, allow yourself to manifest things into your reality and, and be the creator. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. Um, so we'll put all of the links that she's mentioned in the show notes. I'll have her send me um, any of those that I'm missing. Um, so I want to get this information out to anyone who, who you know, if it, it if it speaks to you, then please check her out. Um, I know I have been just enthralled with everything you've said and your story is amazing and I wanted to get this out and I just want to thank you for your beautiful soul <laughs> and uh, your soul. Uh, just It's just so, it's radiant. And, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope everyone's enjoyed this. I know I sure have. So I just want to say thank you, Michelle, for coming on and sharing your story. Oh, thank you for having me and thank you for your audience. And I hope that they continue to listen and spread the message of this amazing podcast. And um, people will be fighting and knocking down their doors to speak with you again. I'm going to manifest it. Yes, honey. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to start following Michelle and get some more tips because I've got a lot of manifesting to do. So I'm really excited. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you joining me today. Be sure and hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to great pod content. I'd love it if you could tell a friend about this podcast and you can find any links mentioned by my guest or by me in the show notes below. Our music is Funk Beats by Ecolix and you can find them on the audio jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon. <laughs>